Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Hey, well, this morning I just want to share a few thoughts about intentional discipleship. Um, you know, through the Bible, uh, we've got uh, generations coming and generations going. But as um, Richard shared this morning, you know, the baton needs to be passed on to an emerging generation. Um, and we see the Spirit of God active and alive, looking at um, people emerging. And there's a commissioning, there's an anointing, there's a discipling and a training and an equipping that goes with that. Um, you know, we look at Barnabas seeing potential in um, Paul where others didn't see it, but there was an intentional discipleship taking place and we see it played forward where Paul starts to disciple people like Timothy and Titus. There's a playing forward um, and there's an emerging generation like even Old Testament, you know, um, you know, D uh, David was, you know, doing his thing with the sheep and everything, but there was a call on his life, but God started to pinpoint potential in his life. And we know the story of Samuel coming and uh, knowing that there was something happening in the house and not so much with the brothers, but um, obviously with uh, David and the sheep field, then there was a commissioning and an anointing. But I just always loved the story of Elijah and Elijah. Um, you know, there were lots of activity happening in, in the land of Israel. You know, um, Ahab was a king. He was very corrupt, a lot of evil going on, but God still had people doing godly things. And... Um, there was a school of prophets at the time, um, and that was very uh, good, and it obviously had a purpose. There was a cluster of people um, emerging, as it were, on the landscape and the land um, in their faith. But God started to pinpoint and intentionally uh, a young man called Elijah. Uh, you know, Elijah was uh, instrumental in um, opening up the way for this young man. And intentional discipleship uh, came from that and so my question this morning is who's actually on your radar or our radar you know this coming year next year but who's on your radar with the Lord is starting to pinpoint specifically that we can be part of the discipleship journey part of the discipleship process you know so Richard's got his book about blessing that's a discipleship um, dynamic going into multiple nations of the world now on multiple levels. It's not one-on-one -on -one discipleship through um, flesh and blood, but it's through a written medium. But it's one tool in the toolbox to be able to um, make people aware of the gospel and make them mature. And we can all have um, an impartation to do that. So as we look at the call of Elijah, it comes from 1 Kings 19. And I'll just read some of the story, just picking up very quickly. So it said, so Elijah went and found Elijah plowing in a field. There were 12 oxen uh, teams in the field, and Elijah was plowing the 12th team. Elijah went over and threw his cloak across his shoulder and then walked away. Elijah then left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah. And so Elijah returned to his oxen, and he slaughtered them, and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, and he passed the meat around to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then Elijah... Uh, he went as assistant to Elijah. And so we see there was a specific um, 
thing within um, you know, Elijah's life, he went and found someone. God had actually, of all the people who were around, he said, go to this person. Um, it was very specific. It was very intentional. Uh, it was incredibly deliberate. And I'm just starting to um, become more and more aware that there are people in the our orbit and our sphere of influence that the Lord is starting to connect us to, you know, Maybe they're over the next fence, or maybe they're in, you know, remote locations like Dargaville or Sydney, which we know about in the church, where God is connecting people to the church and us as individuals, that we have an ability to be able to um, disciple, and and that's not going to be easy, uh, but it's all part of the the journey. You know, we know the Great Commission very very well: go and make disciple of all nations, baptizing them. So we've got the basics coming through, but. As we look at the Great Commission, the best way to do, uh, unpack that, or especially in the Greek, it says, as you are going, thoroughly make disciples. So it's an active thing. So on this journey, as we are going, the Lord wants us to thoroughly make disciples. And quite often, we've just left it to a discipleship class, you know, a six-week course, and um, we think people are discipled. That's only one brick in the wall. It's only one part, one stage in their journey. But this morning, um, you know, I just think that the Lord is starting to increase the blips on the radar. There are people that we are knowing, whether it's at work or play um, in social arenas, where the Lord wants us to intentionally connect with and help on their discipleship journey. Um, the Lord has, has got a great way of being able to, to reveal people to us. So as we look at Elijah's life, he was obviously doing his, I wouldn't say his own thing. He was faithful in what he did. He was in his father's house doing what he did. Um, he was at the back of the pack, you know, plowing. And then this man of God came and, uh, you know, put his mantle around him and he realized, oh, hey, uh, maybe I could stay at home and just do the normal things and just live with, with what we've got um, and that will be good enough. But he realized it was a bigger plan, a better plan in his life. And I just think the people that we deal with in church, people realize there's a bigger call on their life. There's a greater potential. Um, Jesus said this, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. And so straight away, Elijah realized, okay, this is an end of a chapter. We've got to move into a new phase of what we're doing. And he didn't necessarily burn his bridges, but he burnt the plough, his means of income. Um, he sacrificed the oxen, probably his dad's anyway, so he probably got, I don't know whether he got told off, but certainly there was something in his heart. Um, he sacrificed the old way of living to step into the future. And as disciples, we've got to learn to help to transition people from an old way of living, an old way of doing, to realise, hey, there's a potential in your life that could be better Seeking first the kingdom of God, not second or third or just when it suits, but seeking first the kingdom of life. So we're recalibrating uh, people's lifestyles, uh, making sure people are determined to grow in God, you know, not just to stay stagnant or sitting on the fence, uh, determined to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance, you know, not just come to church and get filled with the Holy Spirit and have the, have the warm fuzzy wuzzies but to listen intentionally for the direction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, desires to be fruitful, you know, not just to be successful, but to be fruitful, to maximize our time on earth. But the disciple in 
people that we have in our um, under our wing, as it were, helping them to realise the urgency of the hour of the time, but to use the time, the limited time we have on this uh, planet really, really well. I get to get the gold card this year. I'm going to be 65. Some of you have got it already. But I realised that, man, time is going through our hands like sand, you know, uh, really, really quickly. We have only got one shot at this, but let's do it really, really well. So discipleship is always going to be a process. Um, it starts with obviously people that are spiritually dead. And it, um, is it, I wouldn't say it's a graduation, but it's a journey. We have spiritual um, influence, uh, infants, babies, as it were. They need a lot of guidance. We've got spiritual children, you know, they're growing up, uh, but they generally are self-focused. We've got to actually um, develop them further. Um, so we have spiritual young adult, adults or teens, as it were, and they're beginning to think kingdom-wise, uh, which is better than living for yourself. And then there's what we call spiritual parents. These are the ones that are actually making disciples. Uh, many of us have done that already and are doing that. And then we also have another group of people, which um, I call spiritual grandparents. Uh, these are people that have got generations of young people under their wing. Um, getting a bit older now, and I start to see the, the clusters of people, but it's all good. And some of us in the discipleship journey can take people from basically um, pre-cross or spiritually dead all the way through the spectrum, you know, to be grandparents. You know, they've got an ability to do that. And some people have got a real hot spot to be able to transition them from spiritually dead to become an infant. You know, evangelists do that very, very well. But evangelists aren't really good at actually taking them from infants to adulthood. And so there's been a big blind spot in the church. But discipleship uh, infrastructures are getting uh, reinforced around the world. And we're seeing these blind spots um, restored. And uh, we're getting a robust wholeness coming through. And so... You know, you might have a strength of uh, being an evangelist or you might have that nurturing thing which can actually develop people, but we've all got strengths on this um, this matrix as it were of discipleship. For myself, I got led to the Lord by a guy called Ken Harrison as a, as a school teacher in the third form at Northcote College. And we had um, a thing called Interschool Christian Fellowship. Every Thursday at lunchtime, we come together and he would gather a um, a group of us, you know, 30 to 60 people, and he would intentionally disciple clusters of people. And that was really, really good and really, really important. But he, um, like Elijah and Elijah, he tagged me in and um, got me saved. But um, where I got discipled wasn't so much so through the large class environment. It was the one-on-one -on -one doing life. And I positioned myself well. You know, he bought a new home. A section needed to be landscaped, and I was out there with a pick and shovel in the middle of summer with rock hard playground building um, retaining walls and putting uh, fences in and things like that. But at the same time, I was asking heaps of questions, one on one questions, getting that um, grooming and God, as it were. And as I grew up in the faith, he would invite me on seminars overseas, and we'd do seminars and sitting in planes and airports, you know, asking questions, you know, rooming together, asking all these questions. But there was a process going on that he taught me the, the importance of the word of God, reading the word of God daily, water baptism, you know, how critical it was to be water baptized and not to put it off, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, understanding what the Holy Spirit 
baptism was all about um, having, you know, the correct relationships in life. You know, it would have been so easy to, um, you know, often have wrong relationships with wrong people because they were non-Christians, unequally yoked. You know, stewardship of time, how we use our time well, uh, and asking good questions, hard questions. This is all part of the discipleship process, which we are probably all well aware of, but just basics. But if we've got a, a group of people that are emerging, we've got to challenge them with the right questions. Um, you know, with a mantle comes incredible responsibility. You know, I always look at um, Samuel pinpointing um, Saul, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. But Saul, we know, basically disqualified himself because of disobedience and living for himself and insecurity. He didn't guard that anointing, and as a result, he lost it. But we've got an emerging generation coming through that we need to um, help them on the right course, you know, keep them at the, the compass, you know, heading north and getting them on the right correction uh, plan for their life. Um, so we have to guard our anointing. We also have to um, help protect people anointing as individuals as well now and as we look at Elijah and Elijah there's similarities that sort of come through so with uh, Ken Harrison when he was mentoring me uh, I wouldn't say we're two peas in the pod we're very similar but somehow the grace on his life is pretty much identical to mine um, and it was like Elijah and Elijah you know they came obviously one generation then the next but both declared um, prophetic words for natural disasters you know one pronounced uh, a drought and another pronounced famines. You know, they both were involved with miraculous uh, provision of food and water. They both had um, connections with widows. One provided uh, flour and oil uh, for a son. Another had a, uh, empty jars filled up with oil. Very similar. Both raised people from the dead. You know, one um, raised, uh, uh, laid three times on this dead boy and he came back to life. And another one just laid twice on the uh, boy's life and came back to life. You know, they had encounters with um, um, evil people, Baal, and God showed up and showed off. Uh, they prophesied and rain stopped and rain started. All this sort of stuff was happening. Um, but the thing is, there was a connection. There was a, there was a closeness that went together. And, and I just sense that as this generation is evolving and things seem to be speeding up, we need to be more and more intentional. You know, we heard this morning prophetically from Richard about the baton being passed. And uh, the older I get, I think I'm, think I'm thinking about succession planning, my ministry. Is there someone uh, within my sphere of influence that I need to start to uh, delegate and empower more to? And one of the guys on my radar was based in Indonesia. And I'm thinking, well, why can't it be someone close at home? You know, like across the road where I don't have to travel too far. And um, Anki said to me, Phil, you know, the Lord's been speaking very clearly about a place called Sumbor Island, where a lot of people have been coming uh, uh, from their island in Indonesia to my uh, home in uh, Denpasar. These people are getting saved, they're getting discipled, and they're getting called back to their own island. And all these doors are opening up. And a couple of years ago, um, just before COVID, Anki said to me, Phil, can you come to Sumbor Island? And all these doors literally opened up um couldn't believe it we had youth camps and um you know i think we baptized 27 or 33 people one day um the uh, mayor of um, somba this is a an island with around about three and a half million people 
um, where we rushed into his office and we prayed for him and his deputy mayor and uh, the, the minister of police and all his ministers. And it was like, what's just happening here? And we had a chance to be able to prophesy into their lives. Um, schools, you know, the principals of schools were saying, can you come and speak to my students? What you've got in your life? Whole villages opened up to us. Um, but last year, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, what should I be doing this year? And this nudge in my spirit, well, Anki's asked you to disciple him. He wants you as your a mentor to come into his life and help him. And I realized that Anki's got these spiritual children. He's got these spiritual grandchildren and great-grandchildren now, but they're looking to him for help. So uh, in March, I'll be going up there for a couple of uh, weeks, just working with him, helping extend the net to develop these emerging uh, disciples of disciples, you know, making sure that the fruit is uh, redeemed and not lost. And so, you know, who's God asking you to mentor this year? You know, we've got to keep, our, we've always got to keep our eyes on the main thing. You know, Elijah and Elijah did it. You know, we know straight away Elijah commissioned Elijah, he put his uh, cape, he put his mantle around him. And he demanded, Elijah wanted double blessing. He wanted more. And that's in our heart. We want more and more of God. But he kept his eyes on the main thing. And obviously, we know the story of Elijah getting caught up in the chariots and got whirlwind of heaven. You know, uh, But the mantle fell on the ground. And Elijah picked that up. And I just sense the mantle is falling on people around us that we need to start to encourage them to keep their eyes on the Lord, keep their eyes on the main thing, and start to pick up um, the mantle of the spirit so we don't miss what God's calling us to do. Uh, really interesting in the Old Testament, uh, two, possibly three people didn't know death. You know, Elijah was one of them, you know, caught up, didn't know death. How amazing. No, no insurance company uh, claims for life insurance there. Enoch and Genesis, um, the great-great-grandson of Methuselah, you know, he got caught up in the things of God. He didn't know death. Um, just that it, it, there was a transitioning. Uh, Moses, you know, he was caught up in the mountain. Uh, Bible said he died, but, you know, I think, you know, the Lord took him up into heaven. There was a transitioning going on. And I just think that our generation is critical and we've got to come back to the basics. Keep the, you know, the Great Commission is a priority in our life. So this year, you know, beginning of 2023, you know, who is on your radar you know, um, what blips is God calling you to respond to? Like uh, Sue mentioned before, up in Dargaville, you know, um, a couple up there already um, responding. It's like, whoa, what are you doing, Lord? And so we've got the WH questions, who, you know, how, when, why, how, you know, all these questions about the people we're going to be working with. And I think it's part of, a journey which we can't do by ourselves. Sometimes it's in partnership. You know, if we've got a rope, it's got normally three or four strands woven together. Up until now, discipleship has normally been a special class in church, you know, where someone comes to the Lord and six weeks later they graduate because they've done six classes. That's only one fibre in the rope, one strand in the rope. It's generally a team approach and uh, we've got to be diligent about it. You know, it's, you know, the senior partner, uh, part, pastor of the church can help. That's only part of it. You know, we've got infrastructures within the church to carry the load together. We've got home groups, cell groups, care groups. Um, it's all part of this journey that God's uh, uh, got for us as individuals. In 
my other question, you know, as we sort of continue to think, probably discuss what's happened, who actually discipled you as a young Christian? And how did that actually work? You know, was it positive? Was it negative? Um, are there things that we could have learned from your discipleship process that we can probably integrate for the discipleship uh, process of people around us? Uh, another thing to probably think about is in this discipleship matrix or spectrum, you know, what is your hotspot? You know, some people um, are really good, like um, Master Ken Harrison for me. He took me from spiritually dead to a spiritual, you know, great-grandparent as it were now. Um, but some people are really good at being able to take people from uh, being a, a milk-fed Christian to a, an adult. And that's really good. It's part of that process. But where are you on that scale? Uh, maybe you're a bit of a hybrid of everything else. Uh, but do you have a strength in that? Um, some people are really good at uh, producing discipleship material for training, you know, that can be distributed. Um, but it's all part of this journey. So uh, big questions. You know? uh, I'm going to pray now, and then we'll go into some breakout groups. But Lord, right now, we thank you again for the hour we live in, and we realise there's a fresh urgency to disciple people that we're in. Lord, and we ask that you would start to clearly identify people in our sphere of influence that we are responsible for or can be responsible for. Some may be Christians, some may not be Christians yet, but we just ask, Lord, that you clearly identify those individuals, that you would open up the bridges, the conversation links, that we can be part of their discipleship, that we would see them grow strong and healthy and vibrant in you. Lord, that they would be redeemed and set apart, that they would become um, mature Christians, uh, raising and nurturing disciples in their own right. So we commit this into your hand for your glory right now. Amen.